Well, good morning. All right, so um, I don't know how many of you guys have fallen prey to Instagram or Facebook ads over COVID, uh, but I have. All right, so like anybody else out there have fallen prey of like you're online and you're like, oh, I got to buy that. I, I bought this shirt and I was like, that's really cool. And I'm speaking at a, shirt, at a church where if I wore this, they're like, put a shirt on. And I'm like, this is a shirt, you know, like, so I want... So I'm wearing this, a celebration that I'm here with you guys this morning, so it's good to be with you. And this morning, um, I don't know if you felt like the last couple of years have been a storm, but it's kind of crazy, right? Like, it's been insane. And so every time you think you're out of it, there's another wave that comes crashing over you, and you're like, come on, this is uh, this is unbelievable. And so this morning, I, I wanted to jump into God's word because there's multiple times where Jesus and his disciples are hanging out together in storms. Did you know that? There's multiple accounts of it. And some people, I've, I've had conversations with some friends who are atheists and they're like, you know, I can't trust the Bible because look at how many times Jesus, like this encounter with Jesus with his disciples, like they're all different. And I'm like, what if they really were all different? You know, like John says, last verse, last sentence of his gospel, he says, if I wrote down everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books on the earth to contain all of the amazing things that Jesus did. And so this morning, I wanted to jump into a couple of these. And I think it's really interesting because the prophet Isaiah actually sets up this idea of an encounter, each one of these encounters actually, I believe, is partial fulfillment of a verse that was written hundreds of years before Jesus to prove that Jesus wasn't just a good man or a good prophet, but he actually was the savior of the world. Isaiah chapter 43 The prophet says to the people, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you and he who formed you, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. And then in verse two, it says, when when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. So as we go through these encounters, what if the disciples were a little slow on the uptake and going, hey, is this really Jesus? Is he really a Messiah? And this is a resonance for them to go, hey, you know what? (laughs) Uh, This is the Messiah. He is rescuing us even in the middle of the storm. So turn to your neighbor and say, there's a storm coming. (laughs) you're like man I came to get out of the storm here this morning but if you have your Bibles turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 we're going to jump into two of these encounters with storms and so um, there are there are two encounters that usually are spoke about separately but I want I think we lose some of the power of what's going on in these encounters if we take them apart now each one of these can have an amazing amount of if you want to go ahead and research all of these, there's tons of podcasts and sermons about it. But um, in Matthew chapter 8, we have an encounter with a storm. And a few chapters later, there's another encounter with the storm in the book of Matthew. And I believe this first one is the setup for the second one. Have you ever, uh, have you ever experienced one of those kind of setups where you're like, 
You get to that space in your life and you're like, I've been here before. You know what? Uh, it, maybe it was that first time that you purchased a house. That first time you're doing it, you're terrified. And the second time you're like, yeah, I got this. Maybe it was the first time you did a job change. You know, you're like, ah, I don't know. Will I be able to survive if I quit this job? And then you're like, oh, this, this is easy and I can make this transition happen. There's a lot of those spaces in our lives where the first time you go through it, it really sets you up for the rest of your life. I believe that that's where we are in Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse 23, we have Jesus in the storm. Matthew, 28 verse, or Matthew eight, verse 23 says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake and the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Now, pause. Some of us who've been in church for a little while, we're like, yeah, I already know the rest of the story. Yeah, whatever. You know, like uh, Jesus calms the storm and they're like, whoa, Jesus, you're legit. You know, like, but the reality is they have no idea what's going on with Jesus at this point in time, right? Have you ever been in the middle of a lake in, the, in a torrential storm? I mean, there's good. There's a few of you, this first service, they're like, yeah, no, I've never done that. I was like, wow, this is good. Uphill battle from here on out, right? So the, the reality is uh, when you're in the middle of a storm, it's, it's a terrifying situation. doesn't matter how, how acquainted with the water you are, you know that when the water isn't agreeing with you as a boater, you're in trouble, right? So uh, I worked with Youth for Christ for several years, and I actually was a water ski instructor for eight years. And so I am very familiar with a boat. And I would like to tell you that I've considered it a spiritual gift that I can skip teenagers across the water, right? So like that is, I don't know where it's in here, but I'm pretty sure there's, you know, skip teenagers and, and whether they're on skis or if they're flying off a tube, I'm like, yes, uh, it, there's no better way to come to Jesus when you're terrified flying through the water. So... So uh, it's evangelism car ride. So um, what we have is uh, I've been in the water before and I've been in the middle of a storm. One time we were, we were doing the water ski stuff and I saw what looked like fog rolling across the lake. Now, if you've seen fog, it's kind of billowy and you know it looks like a cloud slowly creeping across the lake. This wasn't a cloud. This was a wall, you know, and it was gray and it was you couldn't see through it. You know, it was like this grayness coming toward you. And so I got on the on the walkie-talkie. I was like, "Yo, mage, you see this?" He goes, "Get the kids off the lake." All right? So, what you need to know about my boss is he is a water ski addict, right? Like so if he can be on the lake, he's going to be on the lake. So when Mage says, get him off the lake, run. You know, like this is, this is, you know, code red. So like I'm booking it over, drop the one group off. We pass each other and he radios me and goes, get all the kids in your boat off the island. And I was like, okay, I get there. There's more kids than legally that I'm supposed to have in my boat. And I'm like, well, my boss said to do it, right? Like, it's fine. So, but I turned around and I realized where I dropped the kids off, I can no longer see because this wall of grayness is creeping up Lake Wall and Pawpack. 
And so we're in the island in the middle of the paw pack, if you've ever been there before. So all these kids are jumping off the boat, into the, into the boat, and, or off of the rocks, into the boat. Got all of their gear, everything ready, turn around, and I just drop the hammer. I'm like, let's roll. And so like, I'm like, bam, shooting across the water. Kids are like, we're going to die. I'm like... <laughs> Like, hopefully not today, you know, like we're just going. And then all of a sudden, you know, these teenagers, they're like throwing their bodies. There's an open bow and there were several of them up front. They're throwing their bodies between the windshield all the way into the back of the boat. And I'm like, what is your guy's problem? And then it hit me in the middle of the forehead, a raindrop that felt like a BB bouncing off my forehead. Please don't ask why I know what a BB bouncing off my forehead feels like. <laughs> And so, like, if you've ever been in a boat while it's raining or on a motorcycle while it's raining, it's, it's terrible, you know? So I'm like, bam, bam, bam. And so I slow down and slow down, and I finally get to the space where it's comfortable, and the, go, the boat's barely in gear, you know? It's like, it's coming down in torrents. And so I'm trying to figure out where I'm going because I, I really can't see anything from the windshield because the water's just washing down the windshield. So I'm popping my head above the windshield to see if I know where I'm going and then get it back down. And and then it dawns on me, there's water around my ankle. Now, I'm 6'4". If the water's around my ankle, there's like six inches of water in the boat. And so I did what every Christian would do. I was like, bail the boat! You know, like I'm just yelling at them. I'm sure it felt like they, they were loved in the arms of Jesus right then. And so they're like, they're freaking out and they're, they're putting their hands together. Some of them are using their lunch boxes and it didn't matter because the water was coming in and gallons and gallons and gallons and they're like teaspoon out, two gallon in, you know, and it's just like, we're going to die. We are. And they're like, we knew you were going to kill us. And, uh, and so they're scooping and scooping. And then I saw that one kid, you know, that one kid who's like, I don't want to get wet. So I'm hiding underneath a towel and I'm like, girl, get your hands and I don't care what you're using, but scoop, you've got to be a part of the solution here. You cannot sit there. She's like, I don't want to get wet. I'm like, if the boat sinks, we all wet, you know, like that's how it goes. And so there, uh, this girl starts scooping the water out and, and we finally get back to shore and there was le legit six to eight inches of standing water inside this boat. We got the, off the trailer and then Mage says to me, yeah, Jesus with his disciples in the storm takes on a whole new meaning for you now, doesn't it? I was like, not the time for spiritual application, you know, like, <laughs> but that, it dawned on me when I yelled at that girl, I'm sorry, but as I yelled at this person who was not bailing the boat, they were not pulling their weight, that's what the disciples were doing right here. They're saying, Jesus, don't you care if we're gonna drown? They're like, yo, Jesus, I know you just got off this like big old sermon. You're like yelling to a couple thousand people. We know that that takes a lot of energy. Poor you, you only work one day a week anyway. It's no big deal, you know, like, <laughs> and so like, would you just pull your weight? And they are asking the creator of the universe to bail the boat. In the middle of their trial, in the middle of their circumstances, they're looking at a symptom and he goes, I don't have the ability just to help with the symptom. I can go for the cause. 
I can go to a space where you can't even comprehend and you guys want me to bail the boat. And so he stands up and he says, you have little faith, why are you afraid? And he says, stop. And John's there, half bail bucket full, and he goes, that's not in the scriptures, but just imagine, like we dehumanize the scriptures, right? We're like, yeah, Jesus stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, peace be still. And everybody's like, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. You know, like, that's not how this rolls. Like, can you imagine, John? like all of the guys are like bailing and then all of a sudden it's like, what just happened? Like this terror falls. And we know the word, it was terror because the word in Greek, when it says they were, these men were amazed, they were terrified. You know that moment when you realize that somebody's a really big deal and you have been talking to them and all of a sudden you feel awkward about it? Like they, they're, they're, they're standing next to somebody who just stopped the weather. Don't overpass that. Like, can you imagine what that would have been like to have somebody, yes, he's been healing people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, like, uh, yes, he's been doing these miracles, but he just stopped the weather. And they whisper to one another, what kind of a man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know, for some of us, we are in the middle of a battle. And instead of asking for a solution and going to the root cause, we're asking Jesus to help with the symptoms. And some of us are going to Jesus, yo, Jesus, I know that you're up there. I want you to help me out. I want you to help bail my boat out. And he's going, girl, I got so much more I want to do with you, but it's going to go to a place that you don't recognize it needs to get done. You don't think I have the power to work there. You have a, I'm going to do something in a space that is unrecognizable for what you said. You're praying about this, and I'm going to change over here. And for some of us, we're uncomfortable with that because changing over here means a heart attitude. It means forgiveness. It means re repentance and surrender. And we're not willing to go there, but he goes, if you ask me, I'm going to do the miracle in your life that you never thought was possible. But some of us, we're in the middle of the storm all by ourselves and we have never even yelled out to Jesus. Maybe you yelled out to Jesus once and he didn't do the, the genie prayer, you know, like you just wanted the gas to be cheaper at the next gas station and it wasn't cheaper and you're like, there is no God, you know, like, or there is those spaces where you're like, God, I want this to happen. And he's going, no, my plans are bigger. I can blow your mind. I can exceed the expectations. I can do the impossible are you willing to see it? The disciples had no idea what Jesus could do. What if Grace Church was going to have a massive impact on not just this town, but on the entire county? What if? What if God has called you in your situation in a space where you're like, hey, I'm unqualified to do something. And he's like, yeah, I know you're unqualified. Just call to me and I can do something with you. Maybe you're the person who can help reconciliation happen in the middle of a world that's full of division and full of chaos because you have got to call out to him for the power and not just look for it in your own self. What we see uh, next is we see another storm. This isn't the only storm in Matthew. So flip over a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, the, Matthew chapter 8 is the setup. 
right? This is, this is the space where the disciples are like mind blown. And if you're bored, you can go ahead and flip through. There's a couple, you know, dozen miracles in between here and there. And so the disciples have seen the miracles of Jesus. And then, they, uh, and then we see another storm. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, it says, Immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Jesus is coming off feeding of the 5,000. He's just coming off another huge amount of training, uh, teaching and he knows if I get in that boat, there's no sleep for me. So guys, go ahead of me. You know, moms, you do the same thing. You're like, just go watch TV for a little bit. I need some sleep, you know. That was a joke. That's not really what Jesus was doing, but... but. <laughs> thought it would be funny. It wasn't funny for either service. But uh, <laughs> after he dismissed them, it says that he went up to the mountainside not to sleep but to pray. Don't, don't write letters to Josh telling him that he had a heretic come in here. So later that night, they were, while everyone was alone, he said the boat was already considerable distance from land. It was buffeted with the waves because the wind was against it. Who sent them into the storm? Who sent the disciples into the storm? Some of us have a theology that when I start following Jesus, things are gonna be super, super Gucci. You know, you're like, oh, it's gonna be so amazing. I came down front, I prayed the prayer, and then all of a sudden, every single problem in my life, boom, it's gone. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. And everybody around you is gonna be like, wow, how did your life become awesome? And you're like, I follow Jesus. And you're like, oh. And, th and that's your view of evangelism, right? Like we're just going, my life is gonna be better. But that's not the reality of our lives. Some of you paid tens and, you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars to have somebody test you for four years out of your life, and it's called a college degree. You weren't mad at your professor when he put you through a trial. You expected it because you knew that they were trying to make you better. Some of you are walking into a gym not hoping that your person that you're paying is going to help you walk out feeling like weaker, that you want to walk away having gone through trials because you know on the other side of the trials, you'll be able to lose weight, you'll be able to run farther, you'll be able to lift more, and you know that you're paying this person to put you through trials. And some of us, as soon as we follow Jesus and there's a difficulty going on, we're like, Jesus, you're so unfair, I can't believe you would do something like this. He's like, what are you talking about? You're paying for a gym membership. That's way worse. You know, like, you're going into this relationship with God and he's going, I want want to do something that's going to exceed your expectation and you're like you know what it's uncomfortable it is too icky I don't want to do it and he's like that's not what we signed up for and so we're what we see here is the disciples are going into a storm I bought this t-shirt because I saw I was watching and uh on on this you know sponsored advertisement, um, I'm one of those. And so I was watching and this guy, I didn't know who he was, apparently he's a big deal somewhere. But uh, he was talking about how, water, uh, how buffalo have a sense inside of them, their God innate sense that when the storms are coming, they will run into the storm to go through the trial quicker. Cows don't have that sense and they run away from the storm and so they're in the storm longer. And so he, the whole purpose behind this shirt is to encourage people 
Don't run away from the storm. Run into it. For far too long, the church has run away from storms. We've run away from uncomfortable situations. And then over this past couple years, we have allowed uncomfortable situations to become ego fests. And instead of being peacemakers that Christ has called us to be, we have walked in the same ungodliness that the world has had and caused division and and harm and hurt feelings. And while we could have been the ones that are making the way for the rest of the divided world, instead we've fallen into the same problems because instead of running into the storm, we're running away. We're here as Jesus followers to be the ones that make a difference. We live different. And it's because we don't run from the storms. We know that Jesus sometimes allows us to step into the storms because we know that he will show up in the middle of the storm. And what we see here in this this verse is this shortly before dawn, Jesus walks out and as he's walking around uh, uh, about the lake, verse 26, the disciples see him walking on the lake and they're like, oh, it's a ghost, we're gonna die. You know, like they have just watched Jesus do incredible things and they're expecting that this is supernatural, but they had no idea how supernatural this was. The most logical thing for them to find is this is, this, is, this is paranormal. This is going on. And then all of a sudden, in verse 27, it says, a voice, Jesus' voice, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Man, we could have an entire sermon about this, right? Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Some of you are in the middle of a storm right now and the only thing that you need is to be reminded, take courage. This is an intentional act. This is not feelings. This is not, this is not like, oh, I wish. No, this is an intentional, thoughtful, Romans 12, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take courage is an intentional, yo, we're in a storm, but don't worry, Jesus is with us. Take courage, he says. It is I. The fact that Jesus was with them and he was with them in a storm prior, it reminded them, hey, I'm here and I'm in a space that none of you all expected me to show up in, right? Like they were not looking for Jesus over there. They were looking for him on the other bank. They were looking for him on the bank that they left. They had no idea that Jesus in the middle of the storm is going to be walking in a place that's physically impossible and saying, I am still with you in the middle of what seems to be a really bad situation. Take courage, I'm with you, stop being afraid. Some of us just need to be reminded that in the middle of your storm, even though it doesn't feel like Jesus is with you, he is. Stop panicking, trust. Some of you, you're like, my storm is self-inflicted, doesn't matter. St. Patrick said there's no pit so deep that the love of Christ can't reach into and pull us out. There's nothing that you've ever done or ever will do to shock God so bad that you're like, I messed this up so bad. He's like, nope, I got you covered. Take courage, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Some of you, all you need is to know that. And then some of y'all are like Peter. In the middle of the chaos, in the middle of what's going on, 11 of the dudes are like, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. They're like, cool, all right, we're good. Then there's Peter. Yo, 
uh, Jesus, <laughs> I want to be where you at right now. Like, that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, like in the Jewish culture, if a rabbi was to call you, you were supposed to walk where your teacher was walking. And Peter apparently is taking this literal. And he says to him, Lord, if it's you, like this is one of those things where there is something inside of him that goes, yo, I need to move. I can't just stay here and just be like, kumbaya, the storm will go. You know, like it's not one of those things. It, he is he's going, if that's really you, Jesus, if you're in an impossible place doing something that I don't think is plausible, if it's you, tell me to come. And he goes, come on, Peter, let's roll. Now, Peter was an experienced fisherman, and he would have not been in a water ski boat with a 24-inch side of the boat. He would have been in a, in a boat that probably had the three, four-foot edge of the boat that he would have had to intentionally climb up on in the middle of a storm in order to put his foot on the water, which he knew could not sustain his weight, and he would go straight down, but Jesus was there. And so he gets up on the side of the boat and it says that Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water. And in the Greek, that does not mean one step. It means several steps. It means that there was action and activity that was going on there. So I don't know if that meant he got out and he was like, Irish jig, you know, like, hey, is this really gonna hold me up? I don't know if this was like he hit the water and then he just sprinted for Jesus, like, um, but I think what we don't do in the Christian circles is celebrate the fact that Jesus and Peter are both walking on water. We say stuff like, Peter, yeah, his, his faith left him. He's the only dude that walked in the water. <laughs> There's 11 other guys that were like, they didn't even have enough faith to get out of the boat. And we're like downplaying Peter? No, Peter should be celebrated. Peter should be like, yo, Peter, I can't believe you did that. But instead, what we do sometimes is we go, well, he didn't have enough faith. Well, 11 of them didn't have any faith at all then. And so what we see is this out of the ordinary, out of bounds faith because Jesus was someplace that he wanted to be and he wanted to follow Jesus deeply. He jumps out of the boat. And for some of you, you're in the middle of a storm right now and God is saying, hey, I need you to move. And you're like, this is crazy. I don't even have my stuff together. Like my, my life is a hot mess. You know, you have no idea how crazy my life is. But God's telling you, you know what? You can't just wait until your life is put together to serve and to go help other people. You gotta move now. And you're like, well, yeah, about my schedule and my kids and, you know, like my crazy aunt. You know, like you're like, you got all these things going on. And, but the Holy Spirit's telling you to move. Some of you, the Holy Spirit's telling you to move. You're in the middle of chaos right now. And he's, he's going, hey, you know that spouse that you just had an issue with? Go fix it. And you're like, no, I got to fix my stuff before I fix this stuff with my spouse. And he's going, no, just move, obey, follow me. Some of you have relationships that have gone sideways because of craziness that's going on with COVID and you just, you know you need to fix it. Get out of the boat and run. Jesus is in reconciliation. Paul, the apostle, who once was killing Christians, said, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. It's just like God is making his appeal through us. Be ambassadors of reconciliation. What if we, as the body of Christ, are the ones who are uniquely equipped to bring not just our community together, but our entire country and our world together? I believe, according to the scriptures, that's the case.
What's your step out of the boat? You know, you're like, well, I'm crazy. I don't even know if this makes sense. Like, this is impossible. The thing that I think I need to, do, to go, the, thing, the space that I need, there's no way that I could do this. That's the point. Because if the Holy Spirit's nudging you into that space, then Jesus is out there. And if it's gonna make you look better, if it's gonna make everybody go, oh, you're so awesome, if you succeed, it ain't Jesus. But if you make Jesus famous in the process, Jesus is actually out there. We see that Jesus was in the middle of the, the lake. Peter gets out of the boat, starts going towards him. And if you are feeling God's call to take a step and to do something, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and you fail, <laughs> welcome to the club, right? Like Peter, like that's, I believe that's why he stepped into the water, started to go down, because what is his first reaction? Jesus, help. And it says, immediately, I don't even know how far into the water Peter would have got. I wish that was told. Like, was he knee deep? Was he ankle deep? Was he like, like hip deep? Was he like right here? Like, I have this cool screensaver that actually has Jesus, this is his hand reaching into the water and it's apparent that Jesus is over top of the water. I'm like, I don't know if Jesus let him get that far into the water. If you're gonna do what God is commanding you to do, what the Holy Spirit's going, yo, just don't do this, go obey. If you start going that direction, you probably will fail. Hey, you will fail, but the only way to keep you going is to cry out to the name of Jesus, help. Jesus, you called me here. I know that this is the direction that you wanted me to go. It's really, really difficult. I'm in over my head, help. And it says, immediately, Jesus rescues Peter. What we see also there is that Jesus says to him, you have little faith, why do you doubt? And I'm like, well, I walked in the water for the first time in my life. You know, like there's a lot of reasons, Jesus. And, and what, we, what we see is when they climb back in the boat, the wind and the waves died down and those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. For some of us, we have, we're, we're in perpetual constant storm and we're we're like god i just need you to show up but if we're remembering we've seen god do miraculous things in the past there's a there's a song by elevation worship that says uh, i've seen you move the mountains and i believe we'll see you do it again you made a way when there was no way we serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God who reaches into places that are incredibly broken and does the impossible. Why? Because he wants to show us that our God still has the power to perform miracles. And for some of us, we're just chalking up those miracles to luck or, wow, look at how well you pulled yourself together or, wow, I can't believe you overcame that addiction or, man, look at the relationship that came back together and we're chalking it up to luck, but it's actually the miracles of the Holy Spirit that are pulling people, walking back to Christ, having dreams about the, they need something deeper and they're coming into churches and if we're not careful as Jesus followers, we will be so preoccupied with what's going on in-house that we forget that those people are the reason we exist. And so what we see is that there is, we're, we're seeing storms. We're seeing that God does miracles. 
We need to celebrate those miracles. You're like, well, hey, Wayne, I'm not sure, like, like what, what do you know about miracles? You know, like, you're just, like, a tall, skinny white guy, and you're, like, a pastor, so everything's great in your life, so, like, you don't know anything about my life. Well, I want you to know that in uh, November 26th of this year will be my 15-year anniversary of my cancer diagnosis. So 15 years ago, a doctor said, Wayne, you have a 40% chance of survival, cancer's all the way through your body. And I went down after months and months and months of chemo and, and all sorts of craziness, went to the doctor in New York City, and he goes, hey, you're supposed to come in for high-dose chemotherapy. He walks in and goes, Mr. Morgan, your case is proving to be interesting. I was like, why is that? He goes, your cancer markers have dropped down to 15, which was like a 30-point drop. He goes, I don't know why this happened because it was a month after chemo. I was like, well, there's a couple thousand people praying for me. He goes, apparently it worked, you know. Uh, and it wasn't that, like that miracle didn't make everything better. I had to go through a surgery and I had still, that was about halfway through my, my experience. But that storm, that miracle prepared me for what was to come. And for 15 years, even though I have had a D in public speaking according to the Bible college I graduated from. <laughs> I've been walking in the impossible as Jesus shows up. And man, there's times I mess up and there's times that I do really bad jobs and I go through the floor and I'm like, Jesus, help, and he lifts me up every single time. What's impossible in your life? You're like, yeah, I can't do that. Maybe you're like, yo, I can't ever volunteer in the kids ministry like no way that, that day, those days are over you know you're like hey maybe that's where you need to go maybe there's a relationship that you need to step into maybe some of you God is calling you into full-time ministry where you're like hey I don't know why this doesn't make sense I'm going to quit my job even though I have it and a lot of people don't like I'm just going to quit my job and go into full-time ministry I don't know what the reality is for you, but I do know that when you know that Jesus is in a space and he's calling you, when you obey, you will do way more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine because his power is at work in you and it's not your own. And so what we see is a, is a man who had been experiencing God's miracles and then we also see towards the end of the book, uh, end of the New Testament, we see this man writing two books to the church, encouraging them to keep going. Why? Because those miracles catapulted him into the rest of his life. Peter had no idea he'd end up writing in one of the most, in one of the most best-selling books of all time. He wrote letters to friends out of obedience because that was something that needed to get done, writing letters of encouragement, you have no idea the impact and the ripple effect that God will use in your life if you simply step into obedience. So I'm not Josh. I can, I can say some of this stuff and you not fire me. You can just be like, don't have him back. <laughs> but the reality is all of us are in the middle of a storm and some of us need to call out to Jesus for the very first time because we've struggled in that storm all by ourselves. Stop it. Cry out to Jesus. He might do something you don't expect, but it's better than you thought. Maybe you're in the middle of the storm and you just need to remember 
that Jesus is with you. Take courage, do not be afraid. And that's Gucci for you. And you're like, yes, that's all I needed to hear this morning. Thanks, preacher, for coming. See ya. But some of you, some of y'all are crazy. And God's going, hey, take a step. I need you to move. I don't know if you noticed, but the world needs a whole bunch of people who are willing to move. I think the church has the capacity to do immeasurably more than we could ever think possible if we obey that prompting and the Holy Spirit do things beyond our capacity. Let me pray for you. Lord God, as we are here today in the middle of our storms, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be just speaking truth over our situations. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, if it's a struggle that we need to surrender to you, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that. Father, if we're in the middle of a struggle that we've been in before, Lord, I pray that you just remind us to take courage, take heart, not be afraid, and to know that you are with us, even if it's our fault. And Lord, for that crazy person who's here where you're nudging them to do something that just does not seem possible, Lord, I pray that you would give them the clarity of mind to accept what you are calling them to do. And Lord, I pray that they would get out of the boat. Lord, give us the courage to run into the storm and not away from the storm. And Lord, thank you for the setups that you have put in our life to allow us to step into places we never could do if those setups weren't there. So God, may you allow us to see the ripple effects of those obedient decisions as we follow you. So Jesus, exceed our expectations, even in the middle of the storm. It's in your name I pray, amen.